What is up? Hello there. My name is Jessica Patching Bunch. You can call me JPB. And this is Brain Body Resilience. This is a podcast dedicated to growth, human development, and stressing a little bit less so you can go ahead and live a little bit more. Hello and welcome back, friends. Today we are on part seven of this mini series. All right, so we have talked about stress, what it is, how it works, and where it shows up, the good, the bad, all the rest. We've talked about our brains and the part that they play, and our breath as a tool. And on last week's episode, we talked about our body and all of the amazing things it does for us and how we process stress through our body. So today, we're going to talk all about resilience. Let's first visit the definition. If you know me, you know I believe words matter and how we use them matters. And this can get complicated since words are made up and we all use them in different in a different context in our lives and given our own experiences and the lens through which we view the world, these words are all going to mean something different to us according to the perspective that we hold. So, The definition of resilience is the ability to recover quickly from difficulties. There are several, this is the one that fit, fit my purposes the best, but I am still left with questions. The first of which being, how long is quickly? What does that mean? And what kind of difficulties? Because if I have difficulties getting the lid off of my minced garlic, which I frequently do, it is a very different difficulty from the experience of loss or trauma or abuse or neglect or emotional processing or financial difficulties or health difficulties, relationship difficulties, parenting difficulties all of the difficulties that there are in life that are inevitable as humans as we experience this life and figure out what that is. So the point being that we need to be thinking critically about the context in which things fit into our current situation and lives and state of being instead of taking someone else's idea of what is right for us, we need to be paying attention to what feels right in us. And then going from there. But in order to do that, we have to slow down enough to even get to that space to know how to pay attention to what what we feel. And that's something that has taken me a lot of work and is continued work. And it's not it's not easy. Um okay, so let's let's back this up. So the the Webster definition of resilience is the ability to recover quickly from difficulties. My definition of resilience is something, I found this one and it fit much better, something returning to its original state. And I really love this one because our original state as humans is confident and curious and full of love and tenacity. And all we have to do to see this is a, is look at children. Look at toddlers. Look at a baby trying to learn how to walk or kids learning anything in a supportive environment. 
They keep going and they are full of wonder and curiosity and persistence. And they're never unsure of themselves until that is something learned. And so I really just love that definition of resilience, returning to its original state. Because our original state is full of love, both for ourselves and for our environment and for each other and curiosity and wonder and awe and joy. And we unlearn some of those things and we build up um, layers of, you know, protective layers of coping mechanisms and um, identity and all of these things that come with our life experiences. And then I think we get to a point where those things don't feel great in life. There's a quote, and I don't know who, I've seen it several times, um, and I've seen it attributed to Jim Carrey, and I'm not sure if it was, I did not research this to see if this was true. So, you know, if you are curious, you can look that up. But it is saying that depression is when your authentic, your true self is tired of playing the avatar that you have created in this life. And I think that that, I find that really fitting because we have so many expectations on ourselves based on the world around us and based on society's expectations and our parents' expectations or our friend group's expectations or whatever it might be. And we kind of, that adds to these kind of plaster layers that we build up on top of who we are. And we have to learn to uncover those things to get back to our original state. And so that is why I love that one so much. I was looking over some old notes um, to gather my thoughts for this episode. And I, I was looking through some old notes and my definition of resilience from a couple years ago <laughs> was using mental and physical resources to promote recovery and return to homeostasis, including but not limited to using stress to fuel action, finding tools to help navigate and cope with adversity, and learning the ability to continue forward after difficulty. Very robotic. And it just shows me my growth um, post-academia. Just being able to articulate things in a way that just makes more sense, I think, to me. Um, And a little bit less like a robot. Anyways, moving along here. Resilience does include creating behaviors and curating our thoughts and thought patterns and the actions that we take that anyone can learn and develop. It is not a case of like some people are just naturally resilient and others just are never going to be resilient because that's just not true. It is literally about building a pathway in your brain that helps you to reframe the way that you view enduring this adversity, whatever that is, because again, we're human and it's going to come up. And our mindset has so much to do with building resilience. And that's a whole other episode. So we'll get into that then. But this idea of building mental strength is fundamental to living in our best life without crippling stress and anxiety 
Um, in the same way that we go to the gym to build our physical muscles or, you know, maybe we don't go to the gym. Maybe we walk or run or do things at home, whatever it is, the way that we have to exercise our muscles to keep them functioning. We also must develop our mental health by using tools and techniques in order to cultivate the mental space that we want to have that is useful and usable um, to curating the life that we want to be living, the feelings that we want to be having. And mental strength involves developing these things with daily habits um, that kind of build those mental muscles, if you will. It also involves giving up bad habits that are holding us back. And I think that is that is a harder piece. I think introducing something new is difficult. It is getting rid of those pieces that we are so used to having in our lives. Um, again, because what's familiar is safe to our brain and nervous system. Even if it's not good for us, even if it's not getting us where we want to go, it's what's familiar and it's what's predictable. And so then it's deemed safe. And it's hard to veer away from that. It's hard to introduce something new and take that away, that safety net that we feel accustomed to. But everyone can learn to develop the thoughts, actions, and behaviors that result in resilience. It's not, again, something that some people have or don't. And in order to avoid the stage of burnout that we get to with prolonged stress and anxiety and overwhelm, we have to build resilience to our daily stressors in order to give room to new incoming stressors, more acute stress that is unavoidable in life. Because there are going to be those little micro stressors every single day, and we have to buffer against them. And there are going to be things that we're not expecting that come up. Because again, that whole we are human thing. And so we are, you know, creating these habits and building this mental strength in order to create this optimal level of mental health, because that is what helps us to live a life that we enjoy, that is meaningful, um, with meaningful social connections and positive self-esteem. It also helps our ability to feel safe in taking risks and trying new things and coping with um, the situations that life does throw at us. And so resilience is about planning for these setbacks and having tools to use when life doesn't go the way that we hope or plan. The ability to recenter and regain focus after, after something comes up that we haven't planned for, instead of focusing on, you know, the loss or misfortune, that is resilience in practice. And I'm not saying that we don't pay attention and we don't sit in our feelings and we don't process because none of that is useful. We absolutely need to do those things. It's that we are not placing all of our focus on the bad shit that happened and what if it happens more and regrets about it happening or what we could have done or all of these things that are not useful into, okay, now what? Because we can't control the world or the people around us. What we can manage is our own response. And so with brain-body resilience, the, the methods that we're using for managing our response and managing our stress and building resilience are built on the connection between our mind and our body and the benefits of exercise and the benefits of proper breathing techniques 
and how these things interact with our brain and our nervous system. And all of these things take time. Building resilience is a process and it takes practice just like anything else. And we can start by asking ourselves if our thoughts and actions are helping or harming us. And this can be a difficult um, thing to sit with ourselves about because it takes a level of honesty and that can feel heavy. It can also feel very free and it can feel empowering because it puts you back in the driver's seat and back in control. Like building any other muscle, increasing your resilience takes time and it takes intentional effort, takes focused attention. Um, another thing that we can try is identifying the areas that we have kind of rigid thinking patterns, like a tendency to catastrophize with all or nothing thinking or generalization. Everything's always like this. This never works. When we find ourselves saying things, uh, that are generalizing statements, we know that it can't be true because, because nothing in humanity can be just overgeneralized like that. That's just not how we work. So those are some red flags to kind of pay attention to when you start thinking those types of always, nevers, rigid um, kind of thinking. Those are red alert, red alert spaces for you where you can stop and take a space and say, oh, okay, well, let's get curious about this piece. Is it always like this or did it just happen right now? Maybe it happened another time, but is it always? No. And by doing this, we're able to kind of adopt a more balanced and realistic pattern of thinking. So for instance, a little example, if we're in a situation that is super overwhelming and challenging, we can stop and remind ourselves that what this situation is, is not an indicator of all future events and how they will go. And we're not helpless in any situation. Because we might not be able to change this highly stressful event, whatever's happening. What we can change is how we interpret that thing, how we see it, how we view it, and how we view our response, what we choose to respond with. Um, and that makes a huge difference. To be honest, That that is everything. And this can be really difficult at first to kind of change some of these, these patterns of thinking. And one thing that can help is the practice of visualization. And this can be incredibly hard. Um, I know this was something that I was introduced to by my therapist years ago. And at that point, I really had never, I, I did not know how to imagine something positive. I did not know how to imagine something better, something that I wanted because all of my time was spent focusing on what I didn't want and imagining the worst possible outcome. So I could maybe be ready for it. And, um, you know, all of these just like na- really negative, unuseful things took up all of my imaginative, imaginative, creative power. And so all of that, just to say that this can be a really um, kind of tricky piece. And it comes like everything else with practice and in small pieces. Um, but this one, it can be really powerful because again, our brain doesn't know the difference between an event that's taking place in our internal environment or our external environment. So if we're visualizing something, the same brain regions light up as when we're actually doing that thing. So if we are visualizing the outcome that we want, 
And we really imagine ourselves and visualize ourselves with, with um, the feelings that we want, the accomplishment, the joy, the confidence in whatever result we're thinking about. That is a good way to start practicing that and practicing the possibility of something different than what we have now. And to add to that, something that is going to help us get to that step is practicing mindfulness. And this can be really difficult, I think, when we start because we have all these ideas maybe about what that should look like. And really, it is just giving your attention to something. What does whatever is in front of you, whatever you are doing, what are you smelling? Using just all of your senses. What are you smelling? What are you seeing? Is there, you know, a taste? Is there a feel? Is it hot? Is it cold? What are the colors? Really just paying attention to what it is in front of you can be a really useful way to enter into um, mindfulness and practice that. And this can help help us discover the ways that we can feel present and focus on what's happening now and then have a more deep experience of our life. For example, mindful movement, um, a, a lot of yoga or somatic practices, just paying attention and having really paying attention to how, again, slowing down and paying attention to how we feel. How does this feel when I'm doing this with all of my senses? We can also um, start help, help start, start help. Anyways, we can start helping ourselves along this path to resiliency and changing our kind of uh, rigid thinking patterns by doing some neurolinguistic training. That's just using language to train our brain, which we are constantly doing. We are constantly programming our thoughts, our beliefs, our behaviors according to the language we choose, which is why I always, always there, see, we'll start to notice why I choose to be uh, very aware of the language that I use and I correct myself all the time Um, because the words we use matter and the meanings that we assign to them matter even more. This is especially powerful when we are talking about or to ourselves, the kind of narrative, the dialogue, the, the monologue, whatever it is you have going on in your head at any given point. How are you talking to yourself? What kind of words are you saying to yourself about yourself or about the situation you're in? Start to really pay attention to those things and change them. Uh, this is where affirmations come in. These can be really, really powerful if they are something that we believe. So we can't just go from, um, God, everything really sucks to like, everything's amazing. And I love everything about everything. It's not realistic. It's not believing you don't, you don't believe it. And so it's not going to be useful. Um, your brain is automatically just going to reject it because it's like, "Eh, that's not true. So maybe get to something neutral. Like I will be able to figure this out. Everything is figure outable, something along those lines. You know, I heard this idea at one point that we can control our emotional state at any moment. And my initial reaction to that was kind of like, okay, I don't think that's possible. But think about any time if you have ever worked with the public or really just with anyone or not even at work, just if there's been a point in your life where you had to get through a presentation or a moment if you know, FaceTime with somebody and the energy that you had to muster to be on, you know, in that moment, 
and what that took. And I'm not suggesting that we go through life pretending that everything is fine. What I am saying is if someone offered you a million dollars to act happy for five minutes, you could do it. You would shift your posture, breathe a little bit different, your facial expressions would change, your manner of speech and tone would change, kind of keep it cool, your head up, chin up, feeling a little shoulders back. We can all manage our state when we pay attention to what is happening, how we're feeling, and you know, when we have motivation to do so. How we talk to ourselves, how we talk about ourselves, how we talk about the situations we're in, and our body language, our tone, our facial expression, all give feedback to our brain about what state we want to be in. So all of these things are things we should be paying attention to. And another big piece of this resilience puzzle is accepting change. We spend so much energy fighting against just what is as we are changing, as life is going on, because everything is constantly changing. That is the one, the one constant is change. And when we accept that that is part of life, we can also start to accept that there will be circumstances that are out of our control. And we can focus on the circumstances that are in our control, how we respond, how we interpret things, how we show up. I heard this on an episode of Maestro on the Mic, another podcast with Dr. Shantae Cofield. If you are not familiar, definitely check that out. I will link this um, show in the show notes, but her guest was talking about resistance to loss rather than change. And I really loved that. And it made me think about if we just ask ourselves, let ourselves grieve the loss of whatever this thing is in our life, because change inevitably means that something is going away and something else is coming. And so what is it if we take a moment to recognize what is it that we're giving up by making changes and then mourn that loss and then ask ourselves if what we're gaining is worth the loss. And I can't answer that. That's something for you to sit with. Um, but this is a both and situation. You can grieve this loss and look forward to the thing you're gaining. I thought that was a really great perspective. So some other things that we can do, um, just kind of day-to-day things for boosting resilience Things like higher intensity um, workouts or interval training or, you know, running or something that is a, that is a high intensity activity because these things have a specific effect on your cells, on the mitochondria in your cells that help them to become more efficient to deal with stress and turn over faster, which then increases your energy production and helps you to feel better. And actually helps inspire those um, hormones and neurotransmitters, all the kind of like happy feeling uh, chemicals in your body. Also, learning a new skill helps to give you a sense of uh, mastery and competency in something, belief in yourself, proving to yourself that you can learn things and you can do things. That can help just build our confidence in our ability to do these things. Um, making social connections, social relationships and support are so important in building resilience. We are social creatures. We cannot go this alone. Nobody ever does anything alone. So whenever you hear that myth of like, I did this all by myself, that's never true. Um, Setting goals. When we have the ability to develop goals, give ourselves action steps and achieve these things, it helps us develop our mental toughness, our mental resilience, our um, skills and our belief that we can do it. We are giving ourselves the proof that we can accomplish things, that we can do hard things. And goals can be large or small. 
They can be related to physical things or health or emotional or uh, mental well-being. They can be related to our career or finance or spirituality. Whatever they are, these goals can evoke a sense of purpose for us to work towards. Um, And then we know that we can handle these things moving forward because that confidence absolutely translates to other places. Oh, okay. I know I'm strong here. I wonder where else I'm strong. I know that I can accomplish this thing now. What else can I accomplish? It helps give us those little reference points to look back to, to know that we are capable. And so when we're doing this, start small. Again, I will say this over and over again, lower the barrier to entry, make it easy for to get a win so that you can have that proof for your brain to say, oh yeah, I can do this. I'm capable of this. What else? That way we can get the practice and the things that we um, need to do outside of our comfort zone in order to grow and build this resilience and then give time for that growth, give time for the practice that's needed and commit to the practice that's needed in these areas because that's the only way to build the resilience and get through the discomfort and then be able to move on. So these are all examples of things we can pick out and do on a daily basis to build and cultivate a little more resiliency in our days by starting small and focusing on taking care of ourselves. Again, it's cliche, but if you don't fill yourself up first, you have nothing left to give to those around you. And so often we start by giving everything away to our children, our spouse, uh, you know, keeping up with the household, other people, uh, taking care of elderly parents or friends who need things, school functions, growing businesses, all of the things that we have uh, in our lives that we give our energy to. And then we forget that we're human and we need to take care of ourselves. We end up in this place where we have no idea where to start, feeling hopeless and confused, resentful, and then think it's too late. We're too old. Too much time has passed. It's too selfish. It's never too late. And all you have to do is believe that you deserve to be taken care of and then start doing that. So my challenge for you this week is to pick one of these things that we have talked about, wrapping this up, either looking at our um, kind of rigid thinking patterns or using visualization, using mindfulness, using um, some things like affirmations and mindset training, or um, kind of intense workouts, cold showers are another good one to help train our stress response and build that resilience, prove to ourselves that we're in control in an unpleasant situation that we can overcome that, um, learn a new skill, make connections with, uh, you know, social groups, support groups, your community, foster that community, um, set goals, pick one of those, and then let me know which one. I would love to hear about that. Again, I'm going to wrap this up because we're getting real long here, but I am immensely grateful for each and every one of you. I love hearing from you and I'm so grateful that you choose to be here. I do not take your time for granted. I know it is the most precious of our resources. So I will bid you adieu and see you next week. But until then, have a beautiful week. Peace out.